if I only had known that everyone was going to buy Nike shoes and Nike products and get them delivered through FedEx, I could be sitting on 11.5 point gain in Nike or 11.5%. That's 12 bucks, 4.5% in FDX. Let's talk about those earnings at the FedEx. It looks like a miss on the revenues for me. A two day rally after a four day decline. Was Craig Johnson right about the market ending up at 3,900? That's only 25 points away from here. What else, folks? What else do you want to discuss? What's on your radar for this Wednesday? Mitch, we're all fired up today for some reason. Easier to do the show when it's we're in the green instead of in the red. Let's get things going. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, folks. Uh, we're up 27 handles at uh, 76 and a quarter. Caught a bid right at that 6 p.m. open. Uh, perhaps reactions to those earnings. Not much resistance in here. 3,900. That's the number of the day. You can figure it out what it, where it is in the spiders for yourself. Uh, the dollar's up a little bit, up 17 cents after getting hit yesterday. Bonds crawling their way back up, up almost uh, a quarter of a point. Uh, crude, we talked about the pair of highs at uh, just under 77 yesterday. Well, the bulls took that out with the vengeance. We're up a buck 73 and 77.96. Uh, gold trying to stabilize here above 1800, down a dime at 1825.30. Silver, that's down nine cents at 24.18. Bitcoin, that's flat, that's down 55 bucks at 16,785. Let's bring in uh, Triple D, see what he saw in the after hours of pre-market trading. And Money Mitch, I think he's getting in the holiday spirit, or at least he was in the pre-market show. Triple D, how you doing? Nice hat, Mitch. Like Only that. way. That's it. Santa's coming to town. I'm I trying to it. bring him. Trying to my bring him. My kid's been telling me all day that santa claus is coming to santa town. claus is coming to yeah, town oh. it, yes. santa it's claus sure. is coming to town holy match are you I'm ready sort of american idol i'm ready man come on it's the best still time on? of the year i'm ready best time of the year you american the idol. Of the year. Should, should i tell my american idol uh story when uh Tracy was, was was still around and that guy <laughs> tyler run it won the um won it what was his name tyler the gray-haired Stone. guy yeah yeah well he looked like I, he was like 50. i only know uh i only but know she, she banged she banged yeah oh, oh that's back moved, when uh trade sports was still around and they they did <laughs> other things day. besides sports and they did the winner of american idol and mm. they had him at like you know 85 86 probability and you could you know if he won it goes up to 100 yeah. And so I I had my computer out, and when they mouthed it, you know, and the winner is, and I could tell he was going to go T, you know, I guess. I lifted all the offers. I went 99 bid. I swept the book out, 
and uh, ended up making a good trade. Too bad. Holy uh, mackerel. You, no, Arvid, you high-frequency traded. You high-frequency traded American Idol. Yes, I did. Holy I did. mackerel. I'm impressed with you, Joel. I've told that story before. Yeah, but I forgot about that story. That was, yeah, now and then they got rid of trade sports. I don't want to go into that whole it's thing. It's just like that. when the 830 number comes out. You're right there. Boom. And all yeah. the algos sweep the book, and everybody who's sitting out there gets picked off. Joel picked all those people off. Made himself a nice ten percent on his money just like that, man. That's that, that was a long, long time ago, man. High frequency trading American Idol results back in the day. Joel <laughs> L. Conan. You can write a book on that. Yeah. All right, uh, Dennis, Let's we're, we're surging here, and Mitch, you take over from here. Well, we don't have to search too far because we know what the driver here is today, and it's two reports that weren't that great, but they were good enough. And this, we might as well cover them both together here, Money Mitch. But this market is being driven by FedEx and Nike, and especially Nike, which was absolutely wild on the report. It rallied five bucks, then it sold off 10 to go negative five dollars. And then they decided, no, 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 we actually do like it. And then they started buying, <laughs> they would not stop buying it. So everybody's shaking out on the print, but in the end, it's up 11% here now and driving the bus here this morning. I this do not is, think Nike killed it, though. Give us those numbers. Yeah, this is why sometimes it actually makes sense to listen to the call. As we, what you see here is uh, when the numbers hit, yeah, you saw that down hit. But during the call, there was a couple comments by Nike executives that really seemed to kind of give it a little bit of an uplift. Uh, Q2 EPS, 85 cents, beat the 65 cent estimate. Sales at 13.31 billion beat the 12.57 billion estimate now nike executives said that lebron kd and giannis fueled double digit growth in basketball shoes uh nike executives said that in north america black friday cyber week performance set record highs for demand and traffic says that uh emea we cl closed our biggest cyber week ever increasing demand by 75 percent from last year so if there was a bullish comment well, I'm sure that was probably not a bad comment to give there as they said that they got the best uh, kind of increasing demand 75% from last year. It seems like somebody wanted some Nike shoes. And another thing to note here is I think that Nike is doing better and better. Like what Joel said, maybe they're delivering it with FedEx, but direct to consumer, right? D2C model. Yeah. It's slowly but surely changing. Let's do the Nike technicals first before we go into the FedEx. Dennis, do you want to give any fundamental comments on this? Um, um, no, I'll just say very interesting, you know, that the algos, you know, ripped it, but then hit it hard. And I'm not sure what they were reading in those numbers. I'm looking at them now here as well. And I'm not sure what they were reading. To knock yeah. the stock down six dollars afterwards. I mean, it's one thing in you know to come in and you know hit a stock that's obviously missed and missed, but I mean the stock beat and beat and the commentary was fine. There was really nothing not to like. So I'm very surprised actually that they did hit it down and took it negative. I mean, it, it kissed down to how low, Joel? I think it hit ninety six bucks. Oh man, I'm looking at uh, yeah ninety six ninety six. Yeah, so, so 96 handle. And it didn't bounce right. Like the candle, you'll see, you think it just bounced right back. It was actually down there for probably a good minute. And then they just started lifting offers. And, you know, so the algo is just choppy, really, really choppy on that initial print. But anyways, uh, yeah, jump into the technicals here now, Joel. I mean, the stock's at a huge rally. Before you get those, Joel.
Um, I just want to give a quick comment here. So it could have been that inventories were up 43% um, and gross margins had come down from 45.9 to 42.9. So showing that there was aggressive markdowns just to give those comments. Go ahead, Joel. Uh, one fundamental comment. I know I have a, a local place that I go to and I was, I always like to buy the same things that I bought before and I wanted another pair of Nike shorts. And the place was <laughs> like, uh, Nike's been cutting down on our inventory. They're bringing everything in house. They're selling. You got to go on. I'm like, you're kidding me. And um, so, you know, mm. you know, you know, they're maybe Something getting more direct to consumer right instead yeah. of going through the middleman yeah. uh this thing got wild 1847 one 1847 that was your august high of this year and the algos took it all the way to 11828 so if you get a look at anything over 18118 uh that's not investment advice but wow that'd be the three buck rally from here but I think I'm going to shift my focus to a little bit shorter term. And the Tuesday tumble, right, on that CPI number, you had a high at 116.45. I'd use that as an intermediate target. That's still a buck and a half away. Um, and then, of course, you have the pre-market high. Where to buy this thing on a pullback? I have absolutely no idea if you want to drill down on your shorter term charts. But uh, great move for Nike. It's a nice move. It's a good report. It could lift for a little bit here. You know, it's obviously the first day. Sometimes it's scary to short these things just coming in here. I think you get up to that 120 120s goal. I think there is resistance up there. I do think we're still in a sell the rip market. I mean, the evidence is said, even when the companies report pretty good earnings, the gains don't seem to hold very long. Adobe gave it back about three days later. So we're still in this market where it's still prudent to take the gains when you got them. I don't think that has changed. One thing is, you know, Nike's not this, you know, growthy, you know, tech name that's just getting a temporary lift. Good company, obviously significantly off the highs. I don't know if it's seen as a value stock. What's the PE on this puppy? It's kind of in the middle, isn't it, Mitch? Uh, Nike, it, it, I mean, it has I'm asking what the P is. I'm looking right now. I'm going to yeah. give you a number here. I have yeah. a forward at 33. Um, and overall Jeez. right now looking like 29, it's still pretty high. Cheap. Industry average is 14, not just to give cheap. you some perspective. Oh, not cheap. Um, it's still pretty high. Yeah, not cheap. Mm. Ah, I'd sell it. <laughs> yeah, more than it's more than double the industry. Especially at 120. Average. Yeah, that's a that's a little yeah, tough. I don't not today. Now, not today. One stock that this is gonna maybe have an effect on is Under Armour. Um, do you feel that this will move this stock, Dennis, today, just from relationship-wise? Um, yeah, you're going to see Lululemon, you know, and obviously I pair trade and relationship trade all these things. So okay. you got Lululemon, you can go into the, the Dick Sporting Goods, DKS, there's lots mm -hmm. of Nike trades. Obviously Foot Locker, the most direct related because they sell a lot of Nike products. So Foot Locker trading up 3.56% here on this report as well. It's going to lift the entire retail sector. It will lift Under Armour too. UA is trading up 4%. So the direct peers, when I'm relationship trading these, Foot Locker is direct because it's basically, you know, they're one of the people, one of the stores that are selling all their products. But then you got Lululemon and you got Dick's and you got Under Armour and then you got all the retail um, because it will lift retail altogether. So I'd expect uh -huh. relative strength in the XRT. I would expect relative strength in the retail stocks here this morning. So, you know, that's how I trade it. 
from a relationship basis, which we've talked about, you know, I'm relationships. That's what I am. You know, I like charts. I add a little bit of, you know, mix and fundamentals that mix a little bit in charts. But my core trading is relationships. And yes, those stocks will be up on. And yes, I do trade those stocks off of Nike. All right, let's keep going. We'll go to the other earnings that was important. Let's go to FedEx here as FedEx adjusted EPS coming in here at $3.18, beating the $2.83 estimate. Sales at $22.8 billion, missed the $23.74 billion estimate. FedEx sees fiscal year EPS at $13 to $14 on the high end versus a $14.08 estimate. So missing there on their fiscal year 23 outlook. They also said they're prior uh, prioritizing actions to quickly reduce costs. So that's what they're focusing on. Yeah. Uh, they gave a identified an incremental 1 billion cost savings beyond the September forecast that now expects to uh, give a cost savings in fiscal 23 of 3.7 billion relative to its initial fiscal 23 uh, business plan. They also warned, though, that second quarter results were constrained by continued demand weakness, particularly in FedEx Express. Um, oh, I don't even know what to say on this. I, I'm still nervous, and I think you get up near the 180. I think there's all kinds of resistance up there. Mm -hmm. So I'd actually would short the stock up at 180 if it got there. Just my opinion. I'm not telling you to do anything. It's just my opinion. What yeah, I would be looking at is if it gets to that 180, I think it's a very good selling opportunity. 173 is kind of in the middle of nowhere. So it's hard to make a trade here because the technicals, Joel, and I know you, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take stuff. the other side. Joel's going to try I'll, to find another spot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah please. You know, was, a lot of times, you know, I talk about a step down seller in uh, the market, you know, when someone's just puking, you know, just get me out. You got to step up buyer right now in Nike here. You got to, or not Nike, FedEx. You got a relentless bid here. Yeah. Uh, you're at 173.40. I don't know what the size is. I don't care what the size is. I just know that they just might be lifting 100 share offers and getting their 170 calls a little bit more in the money. Uh, but uh, I'm looking at, I'm just going to give you some daily levels here. And your three day high is 173.69. So if that was a target for you, uh, keep an eye on that. Things open up to 176.30 after that. So those are your three day highs, your four day highs. Um, you're breaking a string of one, two, three, four, five lower highs. So there's a lot of bag holders out there. And all these charts are looking so similar. You had the CPI Tuesday high, and then you just got absolutely slaughtered. And now it, the stocks are crawling back. So there's two levels on the upside. Uh, Dennis gave you that 180. Uh, yeah. That would really be juicy if he got that, up there. That's where I would be a seller. So I'm not okay. selling at 173 because it's in the middle of nowhere. But if I was in this 179 to 180, I'd be out. So I think there's room. I agree with you, Joel. I think there is room higher. Um, I think one thing, and this could bring us into a good conversation here, is you know everybody's talking to us when Santa Claus coming to town. Santa Claus rally. I was People just going to bring us there. Yeah, I think in certain stocks. So what? Again, let's take it back to what we typically see is what we see in the last week or so of the year. We often see a continuation of the year. So if we're going to have a continuation of the year, value could actually be strong in the last week. And you could see, obviously, the weakness from the tax loss selling in the growth and in the tech. So FedEx is in the value camp. 
FedEx is clearly in the value camp. P is low. So I think about that and think, well, I don't know if I necessarily want to be short value here until the turn of the calendar. I think when the turn of the calendar happens, I think when we hit January 1st, I think you can see the value trade come off very quickly. I think you could see a relief pop in some of those growth names. I think it will be short-lived. But we often do see reversals when the calendar turns. So I would trade it more from a continuation of what we've seen in 2022 for that last week. Santa Claus may be coming to town in some of the value names. Clearly, the oil names want to go higher here. I keep waiting for them to roll over. It just doesn't seem to happen. So I think I'm going to wait for the calendar turn before turning bearish, like full-on bearish on on all the value stocks, even though I've been bearish on the value stocks here for about a week. But, you know, you've got to look and say, hey, there is room here on some Mm -hmm. of these names to come up a little bit here. But I think I'd be a seller into that last week and also a buyer maybe at the turn of the calendar January 1 in some of those beaten down names. But we'll see. We still have a little bit of time to talk and obviously we'll have more um, you know, information coming in before that. But Santa Claus could come to town. I just think it could be in the value names and not the growth names. Well, I'll say that uh, Ryan Dietrich of Carlson Group definitely agrees with you. We know Ryan, right? We need to get him back yeah, on. But he gave some Ryan. comments out there that he said that the average return on those seven days is about 1.33%. Finishes higher almost 80% of the time, he added. Uh, we still believe there's a chance that Santa Claus could be coming to town and could come this Friday. So we'll have to wait and see. Is a a stock like Nike that's telling us that they had good demand, is that the type of stock that could have a Santa Claus rally? Yeah, I think so. It's not a value stock, but it's not a growthy tech stock either. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that could continue as well. Although I would like a FedEx better than that. But again, you know, nobody has a crystal ball here. We're just speculating, you know, and I'm just trying to clarify what we typically see because everybody thinks that, you know, the last week, those last five days of the year, you know, are always strong. And I'm just saying it's more a continuation of the year. So I would expect actually potential weakness in some of those growthy names, but strength maybe in those value names. So I think you separate it. If it's playing by the book, I'm like, I'm not sure if it's going to play by the book. Sometimes, you know, people don't play this by the rules. A, Sometimes is... stocks don't play by the rules. This, I, I'll, I'll argue that, Joel. This has yeah. been a very book year. This yeah. year played completely by the book. If Don't you were listening Fed. to the Fed and not fighting the Fed, November was when they started talking about raising rates. November. If you sold all your stocks in November, when the Fed was going to get potentially start to turn and get hawkish, you killed it. You absolutely killed it. And if you were selling into all the rallies, you absolutely killed it. So this year absolutely played by the book. The stuff that got hit deserved to get hit. Some of the value stuff held up fairly well. Um, but I would say this year was a textbook year. Right. And you had, um, I mean, you also had some other events. I mean, with, uh, you know, with China, the up and down, the Taiwan situation, you had the war in the, you know, in U- uh, Ukraine with Russia. That's what I was saying. When it wasn't yeah. time, it was like all those things. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you could, if you just focused on the Fed, it was easy, but there was a lot of, a lot of other newsworthy things that move in the markets. The one thing that makes me a little Ooh, like, I like uh, on the FedEx is, didn't some of this just come from cost cutting measures, right? Yes. They're, yeah. And, and when I see that, it's like, it's good. It's good for this report. 
but like for the next couple, right? How how much <laughs> can they keep cotton, right? Exactly. Exactly. And yeah. you know, and the, and the final thing on the FedEx and and I think for Amazon and some of these stocks, you just went through a period, you know, with with COVID, where it's you know especially something like you know Amazon, you know, you got to order everything's Amazon getting delivered by FedEx or UPS. Well, it's going to take years to to filter out the supply chain, the way you know the way it changed people's shopping habits and stuff. So. Um, you know, I just when I see the the the, the boost, a stock up five and a half percent on cost cutting measures, you know, it doesn't and a miss on the revenue, correct? It doesn't doesn't make me as enthusiastic about it. But right now, that step up buyer is relentless. Uh, he's going to go one seventy four bid here for a second. So I don't know. Just use your half and whole numbers until you get up to one seventy six thirty. I like the one eighty. Um, and I it could get there. I'm not going to fade you on it. I was going to uh, fade you on it, but I'm not going to. I'm, and I right. mean, not buying at 180. I mean, selling at 180. Let's, so let's I'm going to stick a... with that. There is room. This is okay. Let's just stop and call the market what it is. I mean, FedEx. Let's forget about Nike for a second. FedEx knocked this market down when it oh, yeah. warned back in the summer something fierce. So a decent FedEx report, it's not out of the realm of possibility that this market could rally on it. It was absolutely, um, there was absolutely a fantastic trade last night, and I participated in it. Um, FedEx and Nike both started blasting off. You bought for UPS. whatever reason, Joel, the S&P futures were just like, nah, we're not nah, going to we're go. not gonna move. No, nah, we're not going to move. And I was like, are you insane? I'm like, is this insane? I'm like, I'm looking at it, and literally for five minutes, the S&Ps traded flat, and FedEx and Nike were blasting off. Like, one, initially, the S&Ps dipped because Nike and FedEx both dipped. But once they both turned green, then they started going, and the S&Ps are still flat. So I'm like, screw wow. it. So I just bought a pile of SPY flat on the S&P, and then, you know, it started going up and going up. And obviously, the scalper blood in me, I sold way too soon. I wish I would have held for three points here on SPY. But yeah. it was a really good opportunity there. And so don't kid yourself. You know, people are like, oh, you can't beat the high-frequency traders. Oh, yeah. They, you know, they're inefficiencies. Got to know where to go. There was no reason for the S&P to be flat for five minutes after FedEx just rallied five bucks and Nike just rallied six bucks. You knew the market was going to lift on that eventually. Unless there was another tape bomb coming, which obviously didn't come, the market was going to be up on the FedEx news. FedEx is a driver of the market because it's obviously deliveries. It's everything that encompasses everything. If FedEx missed, people would be like, oh my goodness, the recession is here. FedEx beat. FedEx numbers were decent, not fantastic, but good enough. And now people are like, oh, here we go. You know, the recession isn't coming. Soft landing still is a probability. So FedEx, you've got to know which stocks you know, our real driver is Nike, but FedEx is a driver for the market. As long yeah. as FedEx holds up here today, it gives me a little more confidence that, hey, maybe, just maybe we will, you know, get this market where, you know, we get a relief rally for a couple of days. We're oversold. Maybe we get a little bit of, you know, follow through here. I'm not sure if it's going to last. I'm skeptical. Obviously, I'm not loading up my long-term portfolio, but as a trade, you know, maybe our buy pullbacks for a couple of days. Maybe Santa Claus can come to town. Right, Final let's... comment the day that uh, Dennis is referring to was back on September. I'll be 15th. back in two minutes. All right. I, on September 15th, uh, Nike on the 15th, it closed at 204.87. The next day, it closed at 161.02. 
that's got to be one of the biggest haircuts I think I've ever seen for Fat X. So you're going to theoretically, you got a big old gap to fill. I don't know if it's good. That gap would be 203.22. So oh, that's 23 bucks away. First, you got to get through 180. I'm sure there'll be some pullbacks in there. But uh, what Dennis was referring to is the way that FedEx knocked the market down that way. And that actually led to our October low. But there's your gap fill in FedEx. All right, let's keep moving. Let's get towards the next topic. We're going to go here to Google here as I want to talk about what's going on out there, the rumors that are being spread out. And, of course, we'll see if this affects the stock or not. You guys can see it's slightly up, but more along with the market. Um, Google news here is that the National Football League, the NFL, is trying to finalize a deal for its right for its subscription-only package for the games, of course, for the Sunday ticket with Google's YouTube TV. So DirecTV has been paying about $1.5 billion annually since 2015. Um, the NFL is seeking a buyer for the Sunday ticket willing to pay between $2 billion and $3 billion a year. So it looks like they're moving closer and closer to finalizing that deal with Google's YouTube TV. And of course, why I think this is also important is that being mentioned before Google was Apple, that Apple was looking at it for their Apple Plus. It looks like Apple might not be willing to pay up as much as Google, and Google is looking to potentially get this. Another news that's out there right now that just hit the tape just a little while ago also, of course, is that supposedly Netflix is on the radar also of Google, that Google could potentially be buying Netflix so there's a lot being talked about here. Seems like Google's having a big shopping list. And who knows? Maybe two on that shopping list are Sunday Ticket and Netflix? What do you guys think? I think it's not good for AT&T. I mean, I'm concerned. I don't like AT&T to begin with because I think a lot of the cord cutting is coming there. But now, you know, they potentially lose Sunday Ticket. I mean, I'm surprised AT&T, I have no position. I'm surprised AT&T isn't trading down on this. I mean, it's trading yeah. up on it. They're completely ignoring it, but I don't think it's good news. Joel, what are you, are you still holding AT&T? Uh, <laughs> you still in that yeah, dog? Yeah. You know it, then. A dog's a dog yeah. like it's always a dog, right? You got to put the Dennis, proposal no together to Lisa to dump the AT&T. I absolutely hate the stock. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Know, just my I opinion. Know, but I know, this I know. is, this is the one stock dividend, but that I, I mean, what are their turnaround plans has to work? What are no, their I don't know if any of them are going to work. Man, and it's so funny because when I write I write articles about it, I'm like, well, they. I mean, I think you can go back all the way to like uh, the 90s when they bought – was there a company like – NCR or something like that. I mean, they're just like failure after failure after failure. Uh, going to the Google here, uh, boy, it's not that the market's not running with it right now. Um, it's up 35 cents. Uh, once again, it's had the Tuesday tankage from that CPI number. Uh, maybe if you could pick it up unchanged and lean on the low, you are coming into some area of support. You did have, uh, if you want to give yourself a little room, you had some lows around 87. So if you got a little bit more of an appetite for risk, you want to risk, you know, three, four bucks, you know, buying it at the $90 area, letting it go there. Um, you could get a pop. I mean, that high last Tuesday was up at uh, 
uh, close to a hundred bucks. So that's a, that's a look at Google. You can do look at the Google if you want. As far as Netflix, I mean, it's, I mean, do they need Netflix? I mean, isn't Netflix still a pretty expensive company? And uh, I don't know. I mean, that, that's, I think that's just someone that just got caught in the DigiDay um, uh, fiasco there and the sell-off and the confirmation and, and uh, nothing like a good old rumor that uh, Google's looking at them. You can see the reaction. It's up uh, 255 Of course, it's never a great idea to be short a stock that may be in play, but we've heard this a couple times about Netflix and uh, I'm a little bit skeptical as far as the daily levels go. You, your next target on the upside for Netflix would be 92 and a quarter. Um, and then your three day high comes in at 94.72. We'll see what happens there. We can keep moving here. Let's go towards the next topic. Let's get towards talking a little bit about Tesla, right? I mean, I think everybody's been talking about Tesla, but uh, it's having a little bounce back here in the pre market. We can take a look to see if you guys feel that Tesla will bounce back today. But of course, there was a battle yesterday. Ross Gerber out there uh, wrote in a tweet that Tesla's stock price now reflects the value of having no CEO. I think that was a pretty big call out there by Gerber. He's also launched an informal campaign to have fellow shareholders vote to appoint him to Tesla's board of directors. He said that uh, pretty much, great job, Tesla. BOD, standing for board of directors, time for a shakeup. Musk is battling back, saying that it's macroeconomic factors that are affecting his stock. He's saying that the bank savings account interest rates, which are guaranteed, start to approach stock market returns. Hmm. Where have we talked about that before? <laughs> uh, which are not guaranteed. People will increasingly move their money out of stocks into cash, thus causing stocks to drop. This is what Musk is saying. So I think he even knows the Tina trade is dead. And now the question is, is that really the reason why Tesla's going down? Boy, oh boy. Um, I don't know what to say. Someone just, just puked their guts out yesterday in, uh, in this Tesla. You're, you're getting a little relief bounce with the S&Ps. Uh, let's see. Is it just trading in line? When it's it's up uh, one point. Yeah, it's trading up more than the S&P. I mean, you know, if you took a stab at this yesterday, you know, I, I didn't have any levels closer to 131. Uh, it looks like you have a, a not a firm seller, but I'll just give you the pre-market high 141.31. If it can get through that, uh, then your next daily high comes in at uh, oh wow 140 one is that 148.47. But uh, man, big seller yesterday. Anybody that picked it up on the cheap yesterday on the close, or you know, was doing a stat arb with the S and P's, they're sitting on a little bit of profit. But um, I don't know how Ross Gerber getting on the board is going to change things a whole lot. I mean, Dennis, any, thing, any opinions Joel. on Tesla? I mean, the whole thing, and just uh, I, I just the whole thing, the whole like it's a, you're analyzing, not holding the gains after he said he would step down. Now he tweets out, "Yes, I will step down." But, you know, I just need to find somebody that can actually do the job. And, you know, the stock's not lifting at all on this either. So oh, there's just so much overhead supply, so many bag holders, so many people that are just like, give me a little bit of a rally and I'll sell. It's oversold. It's due for a rally. I would have thought it would have rallied on it originally. It didn't. It didn't hold. 
And that was your sign, like, man, just there's so much pressure on this stock. So, you know, from the brand to everything, and, you know, he's saying when he finds a success, it means he's not stepping down right away. It means he has risk that he comes in and says something again, you know, that maybe he shouldn't say. I just, there's so many issues here right now. Yes, you know, I want to come in and say, okay, well, it's getting to maybe to a point where the valuation is becoming more reasonable. Maybe at $100, it is reasonable. But then again, what do we have? We have, you know, competition. Major, to to Mitch's point, he's been saying that for a long time, and so have I. Major, major, major competition coming here from everyone. You think they're going to be 80% of the EV market five years from now? They'll be lucky if they're 30% of the EV market five years from now. It's just going to be everybody's going to be in it. Now, the pie is going to be so much bigger. So I still think Tesla's going to grow. But to, you know, just extrapolate, and there is literally some analysts that extrapolate their earnings and say, here's where the pie is going to be, and Tesla's going to be 80%. That's absurd. They're not going to be that big of a pie. So, and then you've got the whole problem where people, you know, are like not happy with what he's saying. My wife, for instance, was always wanting to buy a Tesla. And she said to me again yesterday, I will never buy a Tesla now because I don't like what he's saying on Twitter. And I'm like, there, she's not alone. She's not alone. She's not alone. So, that's a problem. He's hurting. He is definitely hurting the brand. And I didn't put that in her head. I she said it on her own. I was like, oh man, you know, because I oh, try yeah. to like, you know, just use your own your own world to try to like, maybe it's wrong. Maybe my wife is just one person, and maybe no. nobody else. But I don't think it's the case. I think no. he's hurting the brand. I think the valuation is still high. I think competition is coming, and I think you're getting a revaluing of the stock for all of those reasons. Is there a potential buying point on this? Absolutely. But I don't want to be the person catching the falling knife. I don't want to try to call the bottom here after I just saw, you know, I'm stepping down. It didn't rally on that. So maybe it needs a big analyst boost. Maybe it needs some boost of confidence or something else. Maybe it's just going to rally just because it's oversold. But, man, tough to catch that falling knife. Dennis, we, we missed a really good, we got a new indicator here. What is it? It's the LL indicator. The LL indicator. Yeah, the Lisa Laurie Lisa. Lisa indicator. Yeah, I know. Because that's why Is that Lisa know, said the same thing, didn't she? That's why that's why we're out of the stock. She had like what she what he's saying. Yeah. Yep. I mean you can I mean, people you get that was like one eighty or one eighty five or something like that. I mean I think he well the, I don't even want to speculate farther on down the line. Scary. I mean, what did he pay fifty billion for Twitter? I mean, if you take what he paid for Twitter and what he's lost in market cap, oh man, it's just one Tesla, of the worst business decisions in the history, the history of business of the decisions. Yeah, he's trying to get out of it. I love the, I love this. Oh, you can be an investor, and you know, for fifty four twenty, you can buy shares of Twitter now in the private market. I mean, he's just trying to dump off something that he knows is not nearly worth that. So, do not, in my opinion, I would not be going and giving private 20. money into Twitter here right now. There is going to be people that will do it, though, because they want to invest along with Elon Musk. Invest with SpaceX. You know, maybe invest in something, but I wouldn't touch that Twitter investment. Not for me. 5420. Can you short it at 5420? Wouldn't we like that? Yeah. (laughs) We would all short it at 5420 (laughs) if we could short it at 5420. So, I'm... I think he's there's a lot of issues here right now. And I I've always said, you know, I would love a pullback. I love the company. I love Elon Musk still, you know, even though my wife is not liking him now. I still love him for what he has accomplished. You know, from SpaceX to PayPal to Tesla. This person has accomplished so much in the business world. The problem is 
He likes to talk and he likes to offend people. And that is an issue for a CEO. That is an issue for brands. That is an issue when you are, you know, now the CEO of one of the biggest social media platforms on the planet. It is scary as a Tesla shareholder here right now. It happens often where some people will say that they buy for a CEO. It looks like the opposite is happening here in Tesla where people are selling because of the CEO. I think so. It is right now happening. I think you're correct. All right. In any regard here, I mean, it is oversold. It is coming into a more reasonable valuation here. There is, it isn't a zero. This is going to get, you know, a bottom here somewhere, but I've lost a lot of money trying to catch falling knives. This stock in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, it was $200 14 sessions ago. It's 140. You just saw a six, you just saw a 30% fall in 14 sessions. That's on one of the biggest companies in the world. That's nothing short of incredible, incredible selling pressure in here. So there's and incredible. It hasn't taken us down too, too far either, right? I mean, the overall market has gone down somewhat, but it hasn't gone down nothing dramatically like this. Like this. I think yeah. in the same time period, Mitch, yes, you're right. The overall market is down for sure. But the overall market is down yeah, not, 5 6%. 30%, 30% down. Ooh, ouch. And if Tesla keeps ah. coming down, right, does that keep dragging the market every time it tries to make a little move up? It seems like yesterday the market wanted to go up but really couldn't get driving. We'll have to wait and see what happens today. I think it doesn't help. It doesn't help because Tesla has been driving the bus for this over, especially for the momentum names, especially for the Kathy names. It doesn't help. Tesla can be a driver. If Tesla has that turnaround day, you'll see all those momentum stocks turn around too. Absolutely. Tesla's driving the bus for growth stocks right now. So take that and use it as an indicator. Even if you hate Tesla and you don't want to trade it, it should be on your screen as an indicator for growth. It will have an eventual rally in here somewhere, but I don't know Like if it keeps losing 10 bucks, like $10 here, $10 here, maybe rise from 125 to 140. And then you're like, oh, that was the rally. Well, you mm-hmm. buy at 140, you didn't make anything. It's let's see what Roggy thinks. Let's see what Roggy right, thinks. Please. All right. Let's get towards our guest today. Pre-market prep. One of our favorites, of course. Let's get it to Roggy Horner. Roggy Horner, Managing Director at Futures at Simpler Trading. Welcome back. We're I love the intro music. It. I feel like a rock star right now. I do too, man. I was going to get the air guitar out there. Oh, I see you, Joe. I'm rocking all the time. Oh, rock and roll. So, Raggy, you're optimistic about 2023. I with one there. caveat. Why don't you tell us about that? Sure. You know, I love what you all were talking about Tesla before because we're in that season of window dressing and, frankly, window undressing. What do I want to have in that showroom, on that showroom floor, in that showcase? It's not Tesla. It's on Amazon. So one of the things that we would anticipate going into the end of the year is not bottom picking, the opposite of bottom picking. Nobody wants to have to send out that uh, year-end portfolio showing a bunch of Tesla on the books. In fact, that's going to, I think that weakness is going to continue. Now, you asked me in mid-January, mid-February what I'll think of Tesla. That's where the bottom picking for names like Amazon, Tesla, XLC, XLY names could start to become pretty interesting. Obviously, Tesla and Amazon just dragging on that XLY. But I am optimistic. It just depends on where we're looking. 
Raggy, uh, that's such a fantastic point you're making. And, you know, we talk about the Santa Claus rally, and I was talking about it a little bit before, too, but with the window dressing, it just, you know, it gives more to that point that, hey, often what happens with the Santa Claus rally is a continuation of the year. The year has been sell growth and kind of towards the end by value. So I do think, you know, I knew we're going to go into maybe some stocks that you like. I mean, value could have a strong end of year here because they want to show that, hey, I was a smart money manager. I didn't own Tesla. I owned, you know, these value names like the deer and the caterpillar. And I've been saying that deer has had a ridiculous run, but it doesn't mean it can't continue for the next week here. Um, and I do think some of these trends could turn in early January. But tell us about what you like right now. You mentioned deer, right? And that's so true. And And you're spot on. What is it? that we're willing to risk on. How is this going to present? So there's two different things. Deer I love, right? IYT, XLI, XLV. So transports, industrials, healthcare uh, have been looking quite good. The Dow has been looking solid compared to the S&P and NAS. You know, back to Tesla again, Tesla's weight in the S&P, Tesla's weight most definitely in the NASDAQ is going to have that very bearish dragging effect, but not as much in the Dow. So as long as we're being very selective, being discerning about where we're willing to say, I'm bullish here. Look, I'm bullish gold. As real yields continue to shrink, as they continue to narrow, I'm bullish gold. I'm bullish bonds. We're already seeing an uptrend in bonds as it appears that the Federal Reserve is going to pause or you know, peak at uh, four and three quarters to 5% based on the Fed fund futures. So there are trends I really like. I want to be along the euro, right? And so Traders thinking, well, I don't trade futures, Rob, TLT, GLD, FXE calls, or the flip side of that coin are UUP puts. So there's a lot that I'm pretty stoked about because there are a handful of trends. All right. The uh, elephant in the room, Jerome Powell, mm. the Fed. Mm. I mean, it, we've, you know, like today, I mean, at least we get a break from uh, FTX. We can go into Bitcoin in a little bit, and we get a break from every word that comes out of Jerome Powell's mouth. I mean, on the surface, what, you know, you had the CPI number. I think he's been, since he got off the transitory and into this hawkish mode, I really, I, I don't see really a change in tone. And the people that are calling for this immediate pivot are not the people that are realizing the rates have to stop going up first and to stabilize. So uh, in your note to me, you said, you know, there's there's a caveat there with, with your bullishness. And and that's with the Fed and the expectations. So uh, why don't you talk how, you know, that could upset the, uh, you know, your, your bullish scenario. Awesome. I love where your head's at. So exactly. How do we measure, frankly, the only macro that matters? Why do we look at jobs? Why do we look at, for example, this week, we're going to get GDP. Tomorrow, we're getting our PCE, the Federal Reserve's pet inflation number on Friday. Why do we even watch these? We watch these because that's what they're watching, and that's what's going to justify their tone, their messaging, and, and the policy. So if I can measure that, how do I measure jobs, inflation, and growth and map that out so I can get a real true rate of change? I look at the Fed Fund Futures graph over at the CME. And I note that, you know, and anyone can see this, you know, jump on over there. If you Google, it's easy to find CME FedWatch. By the uh, month of March, we seem to be peaking at four and a quarter to 5%, four and three quarters, sorry, to 5%. And we hold there and we hold there and we hold there till about September. 
when we start to see the four and a half to four and three quarter column. Now, if you take a look at that, gang, uh, when you have some time, you'll see it's just a bunch of columns. And we start to see come September, November, now we're starting to see a small possibility, not a probability. Uh, I will not view anything on that graph until it's over 80% factored in, discounted. Uh -huh. So come September, November, the Fed fund futures, I know they, they're, that market is smarter than I am, right? It's not opinion that's coming from Raggi. It's, it's more of a wide and fairly accurate opinion about what they think, based on what we know now, the Federal Reserve might do. So we're looking at September at the earliest. Is as far as that pivot, like you said, and as long as we don't start to go through, say, five to five and a quarter percent Ooh. on that terminal rate, we're fine. Ooh, don't of think course, about that. Uh, one of the things that uh, a lot of traders are probably looking at is will the strongest sectors that were strong this year be the same next year? What do you think about that? I, I love that. So are we going to see some sector rotation? Is mm -hmm. our institutions going to continue to buy, say, XLE through 93? Uh, are they willing to buy Exxon at new highs? And I think what we've seen since the last six weeks is no, uh, XLE is rolling over. If there's ever a season for bottom picking, and I think I put myself, you know, I'm a retail trader. I'm a retail trader trading from home. So I, I own that as my job, but I also want to put my my butt in the seat of that portfolio manager come January asking himself, how do I show the best return? It's not going to be buying higher highs. That's where I think January, February, that's bottom picking season. To me. I think so too. And that's I, 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 I think get your list ready. I think you're early if you're coming, I think to Raggi's point here. And I think, you know, um, traders who are seasoned like Raggi obviously are, are, you know, notice patterns like this. Mm -hmm. I think you're absolutely right, Raggi. I think, you know, if you've got, you know, this list of stocks that you think are oversold, it's not a great idea to buy them seven or eight days before the end of the year. You know, and I'm not saying that all these things are going to bounce, but you do see reversals often in that first week of January. And if the seasonality, if you want to play the seasonality, that is the time to maybe put that list. Do you have a shopping list of beaten down growth names that maybe you're going to look to in January? Or are you just, you know, I don't know if you know, I want to just call the bottoms period. Just, you know, what are your thoughts here on you know, maybe the January trade? So what I'll do in January, and, and I really do try to not think about anything other than as we've all said, which uptrends are going to continue? Recency bias is a thing. So what has been strong the last 30 to 90 days? Those will probably continue higher. What's mm -hmm. been weak the last 30 to 90 days, very likely continue lower. The exaggeration of the strength is the Santa rally. The last five trading days of this year into, say, the first two trading days of the next. Tax loss harvesting. Here we go. People are going to sell. So that there's your acceleration to the upside and downside. Then I think about, I'll look at a, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just go on over and start looking at the top four, say, sectors in terms of outperformance. And I'll take a look at the, say, the bottom four sectors, mm -hmm. the absolute dumpster fires. Mm -hmm. And I'll just graph them and I'll start to see if is one hooking down lower profit taking come January, February, and are those dumpster fires starting to look better? And and that's what, that's what I'll do. So as far as a list goes, as you said, you're right. It's too early. I'm still in trading mode. How can I take advantage of these trends? Um, and then come, say, maybe New Year's Day when everyone's hungover, I'm going to go ahead. And <laughs> I'm going to start building that list with a fresh set of eyes for the new year.
Well, I would say uh, one thing to kind of note on that end, what do you like to read? Are you into looking at the spiders? Because you've mentioned a couple of them there. Um, I personally look at just like basic index because I'm trying to get out of weighted ones, but I would like to know how you look for relative strength. You just stay in the spiders looking at that? You know, I love that you mentioned relative strength. I love relative strength. I know that it's not great for an investor because you buy some Qs, you buy some Apple, you buy some XLK, you just got a bunch of Microsoft and Apple. And I think you're typical. And look, we're not talking to typical traders and investors in this room, but I think the sheeple out there have no idea where their weighting really is concentrated. But I personally, as a trader, love high concentration weighting because I know that a very small number of stock can move that average, can move that ETF. And let's face it, we live in a high concentration world. Indices, Dow, NAS, S&P, five or six stocks dictate pretty much where those indices are going to go. So I love it. And I just want to be cognizant of where those overlaps are. Uh, to your point about, you know, maybe, I, I don't know, are you in wait and see mode? You know, I'm, I'm just trying to get a feel. It looks yeah. like most of you are saying, hey, let's let's trade out the year and and look at next year for what we have the first yeah, week. definitely turning of the page i feel like and, and i think that's what we kind of have to do we have to end this year turn the page and start seeing what's in that next chapter what's in 23 rocky we, we we've thrown you a softball after softball here and you hit it out of the park okay so <laughs> all right how about something tougher Bring yeah it. something tougher and um you know you're a female in this uh, in this world, in the in the and pretty much a male dominated investment world, right? And so we give our opinions on on one female investor that you know has made a a lot of splash in the media and stuff. Um, so I, you could pass on this one too, but uh, you know we've made you know we we've shared our thoughts on on Kathy Wood and her investment strategies and things like that. Um, a lot of it's just based on the way Dennis and I have been investing for like for the last hundred years. So I just, if, if you want to give a take on that, I mean, Dennis gave some stat that I don't know the arc. She said arc was going to go up 3000% or something like that. I 30, mean, 30 fold. She said her fund will go up 30 fold in the next 10 years, 30 times. She's aggressive. Yeah. Aggressive so target. Any comments <laughs> on that? Or you could get a pass. I look at, so to your first part, being a woman in this business, and I know there's a lot of women listeners, right? Uh, I love what the race car driver, Lynn St. James said. She said that the car doesn't care if I'm a man or a woman. I just drive it. And that's why I look at the market. The market has no idea what I am. I just, I either, I move my flow. That's it. So that's the first thing I look at. Okay. The second thing I look at when it comes to Kathy Wood, look, she's in some rare air, you know, far be it for me to have ever looked back at my 30 plus years and say, I've had a year like she's had, you know, did she benefit from a lot overweighted Tesla as Tesla split and as Tesla was added to the S and P 500? Absolutely. That's not her fault. She just benefited from a great big bet on frankly, something that won't have a repeating, you know, she's not going to be able to take advantage of another addition of Tesla to the S and P maybe yeah. a split, you know, things like that. But she, she goes in and she bets big. What I look at is, look, if we look at the fund flows, she does from time to time see some net flows that are positive right now, not so much, but there are, and I'm looking at it right now, just making sure I'm correct. You know, she had a positive mid-month, this month, yeah. 12, 14. So she's still seeing money moving in to ARC. So far be it for me to look at her only as a trader. 
because she's a businesswoman too. And part of her business is the brand. Part of it is the mystique. Part of it is her touting her fund. And so I won't judge her as a trader when she says things like that. I said, look, this is a businesswoman talking up her brand. And that's where I would put her in sort of the, you know, what would Steve Jobs say about an iPhone? That it stinks or would he talk it up? You know, what would, we were talking about Elon Musk yeah. before. So I kind of separate the two hats that she has to wear. And is she going to have a big year? Look, all she needs is another run up in a, in a, in a heavy weighted corner of her portfolio. Um, it's not the way I trade, but who am I to judge her? Uh, I wouldn't bet against her, but I wouldn't also, you know, look, how many people bought ARC at the top? Is that her fault? Her, the media was pushing her left, right, and sideways. Is that her fault? Or is she going to take the PR? For me, I do my job. Where's the volume? Where's the patterns? If there's going to be a bottoming pattern here, I agree with you guys. We're nowhere near it. And I also agree, not the way I trade, but I've never been in her rare air. So um, Great answer. I can't stump her, guys. You're great, Rodney. Who do I falter? She's a business person, yeah, right? Yeah, I would love to have that. And the problem. crowd goes wild. <sighs> <laughs> but it's not what I get paid to do, right? She gets paid to hold these positions. I don't get paid. I don't get a percentage. So yeah, I can't look at her through my eyes because I'm not mm -hmm. in the world she's in. And she needs to be a promoter at the end of the day. I mean, at the end of the day, she is having a business. She does need to promote the ETF. And there's one thing that I don't think anybody doubts her in is her sticking to her positions and sticking to her mentality. That, that's so, true, Mitch. Uh, I don't think anybody's doubting her in that end. She's not going to Appreciate sway. you joining us today. Raggy Horner, Managing Director at Future Simpler Trading. You guys check it out. One of our favorites, like always. We'll have you back. And enjoy your holiday. Hope you have a good Christmas. Thank you, guys. Great to see you. Happy Thanks New Year. All right. There we go. Good guest today. Like Great always, guest. Yeah. Killing oh, it. Rog Let's take awesome. a look into the market. What are we seeing? Are we leaking? What's going on? No, man. No, there's a bid here. Uh, there's a All bid right. in the S&P futures. Uh, I'm going to be targeting the Monday Globex high of uh, 38.99. Our interday high, you know, we had the little tumble on Friday. So our interday high was different. And I think that we've already taken that out. So uh, I don't know. I mean, don't want to give too much uh, props to, uh, you know, Craig Johnson here, but 3,900 was his year end target. And uh, mm -hmm. I mean, that that's not far away from today. That's only 17 handles away. No, uh, but again, to Craig's point, it was at 4,800 a month and a half ago. <laughs> right. Hey, we, right. We, so we, I, I love Craig, but we all know, change we, we tunes. Be, we all you know, change tunes and we got to roll with there. it, right? Um, there's a couple right. of stocks that are moving here. I'll let Joel hop if he needs to hop. Well, you got five minutes, Joel. Hang in. Yep. Go, Hang go, in go. Here. Yeah, you go. All right. Let's go. So Let's we, go. Got, we got two or three that I'm going to run through very quickly. Uh, we'll do Starbucks getting a downgrade by Jeffries. So really quickly, if you want to give any levels, Joel, you can take a look at that. Uh, I was downgraded to Jeffries to hold from buy, uh, which said that the coffee chain may be impacted by a pullback in consumer discretionary spending. Um, Starbucks getting hit on that. What are you, any levels, Joel? Uh, well, I'm just going to say a downgrade on a day where the spoos are up 33, you know, that is not, you know, as relevant. It is trading down in the pre-market. Uh, where are we at? We're at 97 bucks. Uh, I mean, if you think that there's more outside, I'll just give you a, another area. I mean, there's a pair of lows here under 97, 
9670 I see a low. Uh, so I'm not I'm not put you know not betting the farm here and watching this thing tank today uh, just because of the market. If it was a bad day in the market, maybe. It looks like it is rolling over, though. It's so, the kind of stock off. they want to buy, Joel, though. Like, yeah. to your point, this stock has been one of the stronger ones to Rocky's point. Look for stocks that have held up well. Those mm-hmm. are the ones the money managers will probably be buying towards the end of the year. So look at your, you know, your 2022 chart. If you have a stock that's trading up on the year or a stock that is holding up fairly well, those stocks actually could perform well in this last week. And I'm saying... I don't like Deer and I don't like Starbucks a uh, longer term here, but I'm saying for the next week, there's probably trades that maybe these things you could make new highs just as that window dressing, just as that seasonality play comes in. January 1st, I'd get rid of these things. I think after January 1st, all bets are off. I think you can see a reversal. I think you're going to start to see more of these value trade come off. I think I was early with the call saying I thought it could come off a week ago. It started to come off, but I didn't consider the seasonality trade here. And I think the seasonality trade could turn some of these things around. So actually, some of these stocks have come off. Like a Goldman Sachs has come off here um, since, you know, I was talking about it. I'd almost say I'd want to cover maybe if I was short the thing, and I'm not, but I'd maybe cover it in here for a little end of the year, maybe potential bump, and then reinitiate it come like the last day or January 1st. So I think January 1st is going to be a turnaround for a lot of these value names. But I think they got, I think they got a little bit of room here to the upside, just from a seasonality perspective for the next week. This thing bottom in May, Dennis. This bottom in May, it's 68.39. How many stocks have had that kind of performance since May? Yeah. Still down on the year, but uh, what else you got for us, Mitch? Six flags. Uh, six flags oh, yeah. today, uh, getting some lift on an activist note here. Let's talk about that. Uh, on news that activist shareholder Land and Buildings Investment Management has accumulated a 3% stake in the theme park operator. They're suggesting changes to management, including selling or spinning off the company's real estate holdings. Six flags. Getting a lift today. Uh, I... Uh, this is like, you know, and obviously Disney I've been wrong on here and, you know, admittedly wrong here. I've said it for the last week. I'm worried about the recession. I'm worried about that for Six Flags 2 here. Activist comes in. It gets a pop. 23, sure. 24. I think I sell the stock. Um, I don't think I'm sitting around in this thing hoping the activist turns around the story. I think there's other issues here. The stock is in a clear downtrend overall. Yeah. Clearly, you know, even if you look to the weeklies and the monthlies, we're clearly in a downtrend here. I don't want to be a hero on Six Flags here and just buy because an activist bought it. Now, the the fact that the activist is a building, I think they already have a plan what to do with the land before they take the big stake. And I'm not familiar enough. Six Flags own is that is that um that's not Cedar Fair. I don't know. No. I'm skeptical on these stocks. I've, I've always I don't own been. Any of them. Yeah, look at that. Look at your six day high twenty two forty five. You're kissing up against that. If it can't hold that, the right where we're trading right now, that six day high, I would look for a peel back. If you're, you're still bullish, if you like the activist, uh, activist uh, stake, you're looking for more, I put a target next, next daily target on the upside. That would be 2320. That'd be a big move. So make sure this is one where, you know, the bids are going to come in off the open. They're going to support it. They're going to get it over 23 bucks, or people are going to say, thank you very much. I just got bagged you know uh over the last week from the cpi high and just you know get me out that's what i'm looking at 
All right. And uh, other than that, uh, just stay tuned. The Rite Aid numbers came out. Uh, that's not the biggest right. news, but 10 a.m. numbers. 10, 10 a.m. Uh, numbers. Really important team. Uh, existing home sales, crude oil, a lot of oil inventory numbers coming out today. So if you do see a shakeup in oil, especially towards 10 a.m., you'll know why numbers are hitting there. Be careful. That could shake things up. Uh, we have been seeing these oil stocks slowly start coming back. The one that I'll tell you guys to watch that I'm looking at is Halliburton and Slumberjay. I think they made a really nice move yesterday. So keep watch. They are running into some good looking daily charts. Monthly charts don't look too bad if we can clear 40, I feel. Um, so uh, people want to own these things into the end SLB. of the year. Roggy's great point. People want to own these things into the yeah, end they of the want year. Them. They want them on the books. I wouldn't fade. I wouldn't be shorting oil here into this end of the year because I think it's got the last, you know, oomph, and this could actually see a Santa Claus rally in here. Big resistance on Halliburton at forty dollars. We'll we'll, we'll say that much, but I think I'd be cautious just going full bearish here um, on the on the names that have outperformed this year. So those are the names. Could actually All right, get I'm gonna hop. I got uh, Michael James from uh, Wedbush mm. Institutional Trading. We'll see what the big boys nice. are doing. So. Uh, I'll check in with you guys later on. Everyone have a good day. All right. You guys can keep up with Joel, of course, pre-market prep channel and get them up. You guys, if you guys don't have pre-market prep plus, check it out, guys. Go to premarketprep.com. If you guys like the pre-market prep team, you guys can stick with Joel Elkanen as he goes ahead and covers more tickers on his channel. All right, Dennis, we'll go into the market today. Is it value growth? What are we looking at? Santa Claus? Yeah, Santa Claus and value names. And I think if you're getting those growth names, I'd still be cautious here. I'm just playing it from the seasonality perspective. I, you know, Rob Friesen obviously comes on Joel's show every once in a mm -hmm. while. He's come on the show lots of times too. One of my mentors taught me a lot about seasonality. Again, remember the Santa Claus rally is more of a continuation of the year as opposed to just everything going up. So mm -hmm. I think you could see the Santa Claus rally in certain stocks. I think you could see it in the oil stocks. I think you could see it in the healthcare stocks, the drugs. I think you could actually see the opposite effect happen here in some of the beaten down growth names. So I'm, I'm selling strength on growth and buying weakness on value from a trading perspective right now, probably reversing that trade on January the 1st. That's how right. I'm setting up for my end of the year. We'll see if we get it, and we'll see if we'll be talking about also the January effect as that comes into play, right? So much to talk about, and we won't stop here on pre-market prep. Dennis, you have a good one. Go get you to do much, what, nice doing what you yeah. do best, my friend. Let's Go do get it. some trading. Let's see if we get Santa Claus coming to town or not. Of course, we'll keep going here, team, with now Benzinga TV, where we bring you live trading action. Of course, Benzinga Live and Stock Market Movers. I do want to let you guys know, if you guys did not catch Adam Johnson's interview from Central Park, yes, I said it, team. We did an interview at New York City, Central Park. I want you guys to go ahead and check it out. How do you find high-quality stocks in 2023? Well, check out this video. You guys can check it out yourself if you guys haven't done so. This is Adam Johnson from Bullseye Brief. Throw up the link right now. Go ahead and click that. You guys check out what Adam Johnson's looking into 2023. And of course, stay with us this week as we keep looking into 23. The outlook that investors, traders, swing traders, whatever you're looking at, you should be thinking about as we get closer and closer to the end of the year. And of course, we'll see if Santa Claus can come to town. 
I'll see you guys in a little bit on live trading. Hit the thumbs up and stick with us right here on Benzinga. We'll be right back. 